The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Donald Trump's dull visit to Europe. Should presidents be above the law? The left are revealing their true feelings on abortion. And a week of crazy news. Man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This, of course, is the show exclusive to the Blaze where you come for the action but you stay for the principles. And today, you might come for the fiery attitude because this could be a feisty show. This could, uh, this could get out of hand pretty quickly. So uh, hold on to something tight because we're going to delve into some big issues. Let's start with the biggest issue of the week, maybe, or over the last couple of days. Anyway, Donald Trump is in the United Kingdom and has been doing a whirlwind tour, and he he spoke tough on NATO this week. And it's interesting to watch the, the political class and all the people on all sides trying to get their talking points out on this. So let's start, let's break down what happened this week. So Donald Trump earlier this week met with all the NATO allies. They sat down and they had... You know, if you saw the video, you know, a lovely room with, you know, fancy china and cutlery and it's a long table and Donald Trump and a few other people are on one side and other people are on the other side and they're having this discussion. So let's deal with, let's break down issue by issue of what actually happened. So let's start with the good stuff. Kudos to Donald Trump. You know, if you're a long-term listener, I'm not a Donald Trump supporter. I'm not an ever Trump. I'll call it as I see it. Kudos for him saying something that I have said an American president and American politician should have said for the longest time. I am European, technically. I'm an Irishman. Ireland is part of Europe. I have a European freaking logo on my passport. So technically, I'm a European, even though... <laughs> do I identify as a European? Hell no. I, I reluctantly say I'm an Irishman. I am beyond sick and tired of... Europeans been spineless wimps when it comes to defense. I am sick and tired of Europeans slamming the United States of America. And specifically, I'm not going to make this about politicians, because politicians come and go. I am beyond sick and tired of Europeans insulting and demeaning and doing incredibly hurtful things to the U.S. military, who on this show we will salute each and every week. Those who fight, those who stand for freedom, those who have the balls, yes I said it, the balls, to stand up and look evil in the eye and not flinch and not blink, yeah those people. I am beyond sick and tired of Europeans demanding and demeaning those people, all the while they do nothing, they spend so little of their own money to defend themselves. So kudos for Donald Trump for actually having the the gohonies, the intestinal fortitude to look them in the eye and say, no longer. 
we're all supposed to, we're all part of NATO and we're all angry at Russia and we need to defend and we need more collective strength against Russia and hold the line. you got to pay up. And this joke of this agreement that was signed a couple of years ago, where we're going we're gonna to increase our spending to 2% of GDP by 2024. Really? In 10 years? It takes you 10 years to get from maybe 1% or 0.6% to 2%? It's in your vested interest to step up. So kudos to Donald Trump, not only for calling people out, but if you actually listen and watch the video, which I would encourage everyone to do, he sounds awesome. He's not angry. He's passionate. He's very clear. He's very, to the point, very direct. But there's no embellishment. There's no, you know, if you've watched Donald Trump's speeches at campaign rallies, you know, there's no, there's no, you know, fancy, fancy catchphrases or getting off topic or, you know, insulting. None of that. Just very direct to the point. So ever who got him, sat him down and, and explained this to him and, and got him unfocused, kudos, I tip my hat to you. And hat tip to Donald Trump for doing it. Now, of course, with uh, Europe and with Donald Trump, whether you like him or not, there's always drama. So Donald Trump came out and declared victory in NATO, and then Macron was like, well, we haven't agreed to pledge any more money. You know, we'll get there eventually. So let's get to NATO, shall we? Because what's frustrating to me as someone who tries to talk about principles, I, I do share the news of the day, but I always try and look at the news of the day and kind of go, okay, what principle can we talk And I try and, sometimes I fail, but I try and make it about a principle about an underlying fact. It's not about people, it's about principles. Let's talk about NATO, shall we? Because what's frustrating to me is we never seem to have any meaningful conversations. And anytime people start having a meaningful conversation, we get intellectually lazy. Or we like putting things in a box. If it doesn't fit in my little box, you know, it's in this other box and it's just classed as anything. Let me give you an example. I had a private conversation this week with someone about NATO. They're like, you know, you're, he's, Donald Trump has gone over. What do you think of NATO? I'm like, I don't like NATO. What? You don't, you, don't, you don't like NATO? Yeah, I don't like NATO. I don't like the fundamental agreement it's set up on. I don't like the basis it's set up on. And as a general rule, there are many concerns I have with NATO, which we can discuss if you want. Their immediate reaction was... Wow, I never thought I'd hear that coming from you. First of all, I've said this a long time. Second of all, it was, you're defending Russia. I'm sorry, what? So just because I have some reservations over NATO, automatically I am defending Russia? You know, we are so... I don't know what it is. If it's intellectually laziness or whether we just like this... If you're with, if you're with me, great. And if you're not, you're against me. You're automatically my enemy. There's no room for option C... It's like we all have these surveys in life. You know, the, you know how are you feeling today? Are you feeling great? Are you feeling good? Are you feeling average? Are you feeling poorly? And if you don't have one of the... If your answer doesn't sit to one of them four, you don't... It can't. It has to... Ha- you have to have an answer. You have to fit in a box. We're taking all the diagrams out for actual discussions. So let's discuss NATO, shall we? NATO was... Joined in in order, started in 1949 with several countries, Belgium, Canada, Denmark, France, Iceland, Italy, Luxembourg, the Netherlands, Norway, Portugal, the United Kingdom and the United States. It had this collective bargaining agreement and Article 5 of NATO basically says an attack on any member state is an attack on all member states. 
and there's a you know you will face repercussions. It's this whole collective um, grouping, which in theory is a good idea. Uh, if you have allies and you have a you know you have a way that you can help, like if your allies attacked, it's 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 the same principle as in life. You know, if your best friends attacked, what are you going to do? You're going to sit there and look at them get attacked. Or are you going to go help them? So there is some logistical idea to this. But NATO's expanded over the years. So that was 1949. In 1952, it added Greece and Turkey. We'll come back to that one in a second. In 1955, it added Germany. In 1982, it added Spain. In 1999, it added the Czech Republic, Hungary, and Poland. In 2004, it added Bulgaria, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Romania, Slovakia, and Slovenia. In 2009, Albania and Croatia joined. And lastly, in 2017, Montenegro joined. There's also a load of partner countries, including Armenia, Ukraine, Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, Malta, uh, Finland, um, Serbia, Switzerland, Sweden, uh, Moldova, Malta, um, loads of Georgia, Ireland is part of NATO as well. We're not part of it, sorry, we're a partner country. Here's the problem. All those countries have all these different issues. Are you willing to say they're your ally? Because there's one country in there that I'm very uncomfortable with, especially the path it's on right now. Especially the path it's on right now. That is cut Turkey. Turkey is a bad, bad country. And when I say it's a bad, bad country, let me be very specific. The people are good and bad. There's good and bad in every country. But it is run by a... What way should we say this? Oh, yeah, dictator. Erdogan. Even though it's, you know, he's not technically a dictator, John. You can't say he's a dictator. He acts like a dictator. Yeah, he's taking power through the Constitution, and, you know, he's getting more and more presidential power, but he's effectively running that country like a dictatorship. He is also on the wrong side of history. Turkey is a country that won't recognize the Armenian Genocide. In fact, I was reading an article earlier on this week where there was a, a young girl in, I think it was the Netherlands, who decided to do this project on her grandparents, I believe it was, who were killed in the Armenian Genocide, and then as a school project said, I'm going to do a video on it. They did, she did it, and then the school took it down because it was, it was too dangerous. They didn't want to rock the boat with Turkey. Turkey is a bad actor. You look at the problems in the Middle East, a lot of them are caused by the largest state funder of terror, Iran. But there are other problems caused by Turkey. So you telling me tomorrow, if someone decided to attack Turkey, you'd be okay with Article 5 saying, well, an attack on Turkey is an attack on NATO, and, and that means it's an attack on the United States. Are you willing to fight Turkey's enemies for them? This is where we need to have some serious, honest conversations. I'm not a fan of these groups, as a general rule. I'm not a big fan of NATO, I'm not a big fan of the United Nations, I'm not a a big fan of all these trade organizations. I believe in having relationships individually with countries, and if you want to get together, sign a pact. But let's not hold future presidents to the same pact. Let's not just have a general rule where an attack on one member is an attack on all members, even regardless of who's at fault. It should be, hey, if you attack a member of our country of ours or a friend of ours, we're, we're going to help if they're innocent. If they've done nothing wrong, we're going to help them. How about we have these conversations? And how about we have them without the intellectual laziness of, well, you don't like NATO, you're obviously pro-Russia. 
I've never been pro-Russia. I'm one of the few people with, credi- with somewhat credibility who can say, I'm somewhat in the public eye who can say, I have never been pro-Russia. I wasn't pro-Russia in 2016. I wasn't pro-Russia in 2012. I've always called Russia pretty much the evil empire. And again, I don't mean the Russian people. I have some Russian friends. They're decent people. They're funny people. They're they're an interesting. They're a different breed. If you've ever met Russians, you kind of you'll know what I'm saying. They're a different breed of people. But when it comes to their government, Putin has never been a good guy in my eyes. Putin has been a very bad guy. But can we stop with these little arguments? Where if you if you say something dare different that doesn't fit my agenda, you're automatically the enemy. It's okay to have a different opinion. It's okay to have a different side. It's okay to listen to me and kind of go, I disagree with you, John. I like NATO. Cool. Good for you. I'm not going to say you're wrong. I, you're not my enemy. I don't hate you. We just disagree. It's okay to disagree. Which brings me on to the rest of Donald Trump's trip. So Donald Trump... Again, kudos. Donald Trump is doing a lot of good things this week. You know, again, on a side point, for those people who don't like me anytime I say negative things about Donald Trump, I'm here calling it as it is. This show is nearly three years old. I've been in the public eye writing since before, I can't remember, 2011, 2012. I've been saying stuff before that. I'm consistent on all these issues. But when Donald Trump does some good stuff, I will praise him. I'm not an ever-Trumper. I'm not, hey, well, Donald Trump always sucks. No. I call it as I see it. Number two thing Donald Trump did this week. He called out Germany. Good for him. He called out Germany for going, well, we're here supposed to protect you from Russia. And what y'all doing? You're all giving him money for natural gas. Good for him. But you know who else he needs to call out for natural gas? The United Kingdom. The United Kingdom gets a large chunk of gas. According to their, their state-run gov- government gas company, BritishGas.co.uk, 43% of their gas comes from, from UK production. 44% comes from European pipelines, which is broken down of 23% from Norway and 35% from, Europe, uh, from Russia. So 35% of the 44% comes from Russia. But also more of it comes from Russia because 13% of the gas comes from what they call LNG tankers. And there's a report that in 2018, half of the British imports coming from these tankers have come from Russia. Yet England is going through a bit of a cold war with Russia with the whole Salisbury's attack. There are many people who are getting their um, gas from Russia. You know, we go back to NATO, shall we, just for a second. There's a big there's a big pipeline that's been planned. And, and one of the big countries that's going to potentially gain from this pipeline because it's so desperate for economic money is Greece. This new proposed pipeline that's going on. And it's going to be this big pipeline coming from Russia all the way running through Europe and it's going to feed Europe. And it wants to increase it. What happens if Greece gets this and gets this gets in bed even further with Russia? Because there's links to the Golden Dawn Party with Alexander Dugan. Russia has been very careful in how it's playing this game of chess. This is a game of chess for for Vladimir Putin and all his people around him. They will wait 20 years to control Europe. They don't mind doing it. They'll just play it very slowly. Very slowly and they're doing a great job. 
Look at what they did in Ukraine. No one ever talks about Ukraine anymore. He annexed Crimea. Does anyone talk about it? Anyone? You know, that had a, that actually had an agreement, like NATO an agreement. They actually had a, a treaty. Said, you know, you attack one of them, you know, if you give up your nuclear weapons, you attack them. You know, John Major signed it. Um, Bill Clinton signed it. The Russian Premier signed it. The Ukrainian Premier, uh, Premier signed it. They were at Annex Crimea. Not a damn thing was done. I'm not for these agreements if you don't mean enforcing them. But we need to have an honest conversation about what's going on in Europe right now. Donald Trump this week has played it great. Great job, Mr. President. Great job to his advisors. Calling out Germany for their gas. I wish he'd call out the United Kingdom and other countries as well. And a good job on calling out European hypocrisy at its best. Where you dare, dare damn the American troop. But you'll live off protection off the American dime. If you're so worried about your security, pay for it yourself. And the one thing I will say about Donald Trump is he does have a I don't care approach. Bit of a scorched earth policy at times. Which can be bad but also can be good. I actually think he would have the 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 credibility to say if they don't up their spending onto a what the Heath deems a acceptable level, I wouldn't be surprised if he pulled some funding from NATO. And I would totally support it. He should pull some funding from NATO just to let them know, you know what? You don't like America? That's fine. You go secure yourselves. You go protect yourselves. You go look to the French for security. Let's see how good that does. It would be great to see him now if he could. I don't know what his plans for the next few days are, but give a really patriotic speech about the American military. The American military and the history of the American military. Of how much blood, sweat, and tears, how much sacrifice the American military, the American family who has military members, has paid the sacrifice they have paid to keep peace in Europe. It wouldn't be lovely to see if he did that. And it wasn't about insults, it wasn't about anger, but it was filled with passion. Because the truth is, if it wasn't for the American military, I'd be speaking German. Well, actually, you know what? I have enough problems speaking English, so I'd probably suck at German. I'd probably be in, I don't know, a re-education camp. And that'd be my re-education camp for all my views, you know, limited government and, and freedom and free market economics. And then there'd probably be my re-education camp because, you know, I'm fat, so I'm I'm probably in, you know, an undesirable, you know. And, and then there'd be my re-education camp because I'm a Christian. So I'd be going through all types of re-education camps. I wouldn't know where my hair was coming or going. Which brings me to the UK. So Donald Trump went to the UK. And there's all this controversy over this balloon, this big, you know, um, big picture of Donald Trump. And it's it's a hot air balloon. And I don't know, it's probably about 20 feet by 20 feet or something. And it's Donald Trump in his underwear. And there's this big controversy. Should it happen? Should it? Would it happen? Look, should it happen? Sorry, legally should the government stop this? No, it's free speech. I find it disgusting. I don't think it's very smart. We'll come back to the protesters in a second. It's free speech. Let them do whatever the hell they want. As a free speech absolutist, when it comes to the government shutting down free speech, I'm never going to side with you. And I know that's going to annoy people on all sides of the aisle when it doesn't fit their agenda. I'm sorry. I'm a believer in free speech. Now, here's what I will say. I am beyond sick of cowards. 
I am so sick and tired of puny little wimps who think I'm a puny little wimp and I know I'm a puny little wimp, but I want to act so tough and so strong. And I'm going to act so tough, I'm going to send Donald Trump a message. I'm going to let him know what I think of him. I'm going to get this balloon and we'll put him up in his underwear and I will show Donald Trump. That will get him. We'll show him what we think of him. You're all so tough when it's Donald Trump, aren't you? When it's an, an American ally who has a long history with England. You're all so tough when it's Donald Trump when he, while he has his problems. He's not really a dictator. He's not anywhere close to a dictator. He's not really, you know, going to strike you down. Where were the balloons and these things when, you know, other people were going to England? Because England has had lots of state visits of really bad people. In, like in 2015, where was that balloon of President Zing, huh, from China? Where was your outrage then? You know, the Queen has met with some of the most despotic, evil dictators this world has ever seen. It met with King Abdullah of Saudi Arabia. It's met with and other Chinese premiers, um, Jen Tao, when he was, he was around 2005, when George Bush was in power. Uh, she's met with Vladimir Putin. This year alone, there was this big effort, and I don't know how successful it was, but the, the Saudi prince was in the United Kingdom, and there was advertising everywhere. Saudi Arabia is open for business. Yes, in case you're wondering why was Saudi Arabia in the news recently, you might have heard of it. Yeah, they became this great progressive country. They allowed women drive for the first time. Where was your outrage then? Where was your big inflatable dummies then? Huh? This phony outrage, this, this I am such a coward but I have to act so tough, is getting really tiresome. If you really want to stand up, if you, ty- if you think uh, people are bullies, then stand up to them. But stand up to the toughest bully. This idea of seeing going into a room of people you don't like and picking on the weakest one is pathetic. And I'm not saying Donald Trump is a weak person. I'm saying of all the people that England has met over the last couple of years, of all the quote-unquote people they don't like, Donald Trump is by far the easiest and the best one. Donald Trump has his problems. I disagree with him on a lot of policies like trade, like tariffs. I disagree with the way he talks some of the times. However, he ain't no Vladimir Putin. And if you think he's anywhere in the league of Vladimir Putin, I seriously suggest you start picking up a textbook. Or start doing some research. You think he's in the the realm of a a Saudi prince. Now, maybe not this one, because this one, I don't know what's going on in Saudi Arabia. This guy could be a hero, or he could be the biggest scam, scam, scam artist going. I'm reserving judgment on this new crown prince. But historically... You look at other places in the Middle East. Donald Trump ain't even 1% of those people. You look at President Xi of China. He ain't 1% of him either. I'm sick and tired of this phony strength. How I long for the days where if you wanted to stand up to someone, you went into a room and you went and you punched, literally or figuratively, the biggest dog in the yard. That got you attention. But today, modern-day liberalism and modern-day phony outrage is, oh, I'll protest Donald Trump. I'll protest Donald Trump because it's cool. 
I'll even protest Donald Trump before he actually does something because I have to be outraged because Donald Trump is just evil. No. It's time for people as a collective to say to the people with the phony rates, sit down and shut up. We have major issues facing our world right now. There are major issues facing our world right now. And there are major issues. If you have any iota of belief in freedom right now, it is on under attack from all sides. It's time to have some reasoned, well-principled and discussions about principles of freedom, about individualism and about the role of government. And we'll get to that when we come back. Don't go anywhere, America. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn. On the Blaze Radio Network. The Glenn Beck Program. Wouldn't it be interesting if Trump wins re-election and then Dwayne Johnson wins in 2024? He's running. Look at the Mm -hmm. roles he's playing. He's saving, you know, people from everything. He's becoming this this action hero that is really funny, and yet he's still strangely kind of relatable. You like him. He's the perfect candidate. You know, if we're looking for candidates that are just celebrities without any experience. I mean, it's crazy. The Glenn Beck Program. Freedom's Disciple On Demand. On the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. As always, I'm on social media, at uh, Freedom Disciple on Twitter, at JonathanDunn58 on Facebook. Drop me a message, drop me a comment. I love engaging with you. Um, My schedule has been pretty hectic the last couple of weeks, so if I'm a bit late responding, I will get to you. It's just, things are crazy, man. So, phony outrage. This week, Donald Trump made some headlines at home. At the start of the week, on Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern on primetime TV, Donald Trump walked out in the White House and said he was going to nominate for the Supreme Court. I'm sick of the phony air. I, I, I just, you know, there's, I don't know whether it's I'm getting old. I don't know whether it's I'm, I need a Snickers. I think you have that out over there, you know, where there's a guy turning into a bit of a drama queen. It's like, hi, have a Snickers. And then you become back to normal. I, maybe I need a Snickers. Maybe I need a hug. Maybe the Mexican apprentice, new Mexican president is right. You know, if we just hug people, everything will be sorted. But I'm, I'm getting really, 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 really tired of all this phony air rage on all sides about stuff, on arguments. And the lack of principle has been discussed. So Monday night, Donald Trump said, I'm going to announce my new Supreme Court pick, 9 p.m. Eastern, Monday night. All the people outside of the Supreme Court. Now, kudos, uh, you know, I will say this. If you had said to me that there's going to be all these people who know where the Supreme Court is, I'd be like, no, nah, I'll never get, they don't, they haven't got a, got a clue what the Supreme Court does. But they got there. They had their placards ready. They were angry and they were chanting before 9 p.m. Now, either... All these people who were angry at Donald Trump had some inside track to the White House or had some, you know, hey, I I speak to Donald Trump and I know who he's going to nominate. Doubtful. You know, questionable at best. Or maybe they're just outraged where they just wanted to be against anyone Donald Trump nominated. Because people just have this system where if Donald Trump does it, you're bad. 
Donald Trump nominated Kavanaugh. Let's have a discussion, shall we? Am I happy with this nomination? No. No, I'm not happy with this nomination. I'll, I'll actually be honest with you. I'll say something I haven't heard very many people say. This nomination sucks. Sucks. And I'll tell you why it sucks in, t- in about two, se- two minutes. But before we get there, can we stop with the 3D, three-dimensional chess that everyone seems to want to play on all sides? I, I put it out on Facebook and on different people. I went, what do you think on Kavanaugh? Because I, I'm not here to tell you what to think. I really am not. I am here to present in such a way where I tell you my opinion, yes? But I hope I do it in a way, or at least I try to do it in a way where I'll give you the facts, I'll give you how I'm thinking, but I hope you go do your research for yourself. And at the end of the day, if you think Kavanaugh is great, wonderful. We'll have a discussion. <laughs> Chances are we'll agree to disagree, which I'll get to in a minute, for certain reasons. But can we just stop with the 3D chess? I, I've heard stuff where... I've heard... This is some of the excuses I've heard this week for this pick. It's not about whether he's a constitutionist or whether he's going to believe in the constitution. None of this. It's all... This is a great stroke by Donald Trump. One of the excuses I heard this week was... Well, here's what he's going to do is... That he, he knew the liberals are going to be outraged no matter what. So he wants to pick a moderate. A moderate judge. And that they fail him. That he wouldn't pass the nomination process. And then he'd use this in the elections in 2018 to rile up the base. Get more people in the Senate. And that's, that's when he's going to nominate the real conservative. Even though I don't want a conservative justice. This idea from the right, quote unquote, where we need a conservative justice. No, you do not need a conservative justice. You do not need a liberal justice. You need a constitutionalist. You take an oath when you're in the Supreme Court, just like you do when you're in the House, the Senate, and the President, to some extent say you're going to preserve, defend, and protect the Constitution of the United States. That is this. This idea of a conservative justice is highly troubling to me, especially when I see what conservatism means in 2018, where people say, well, John McCain is conservative. That should scare the hell out of you too. The second one I heard was, look, he just had to give this. He just wanted to, all the, the tensions are all right up. He wanted to just appease the left because he knows the chances are really good. Ginsburg is gone before his first term. He'll get a third pick and that's when he's going to get them. Really? Can we just stop? Can we just stop with the games? Look, is something right or is it wrong? Can we stop with these 3D chess of, of elections and accepting politics been played? I thought Donald Trump was there to drain the swamp. Yet his supporters on my Facebook page were, you know, using swampy tactics. That's what I'd expect Mitch McConnell to do. Oh, because Mitch McConnell, if you haven't heard, the GOP are really deadly serious. Like, I mean it this time. Not like in 2012, not like in 2014, 2016. But this time, if you give them the Senate and the House again on 2018, they will repeal Obamacare. Trust me. Wink, wink. Trust me, they are, they're serious about doing it this time. That's Mitch McConnell. I thought Donald Trump was drained the swamp. So I am not... I think Kavanaugh sucks. I don't... I, I've seen Ben Shapiro, who I respect. Who I would definitely say knows more about the law than I do. I have a different opinion. He thinks it's a double. I don't. I, I really don't think it's a double. I, I think... If I was to be honest, I'd say at best it's a hit by batsman to get on first base. And the pitch, there's two outs, and the pitcher's up hitting behind me. Chances are I'm scoring is not very much. 
Now, that being said, I'm open-minded. I hope, I know this is not going to happen, but let's just play along for a minute. I hope the Senate hearings are actually about serious issues, and there are serious discussions brought up. I'm, I think he's... I think the nomination sucks. I think I'm sure he's a good guy. I've heard decent things about him. But I don't think... I don't see him being constitutional. And I'm going to prove why just in one second. But I will listen to what he says. I will listen to the questions. I hope the senators in D.C., in the Senate, will ask honest and fair questions. It won't be gotcha on either side. But they'll ask meaning about what's the constitution. Where will your rulings come from? Why did you rule in certain ways? And actually have a discussion. And by the way, I'm open-minded enough to say, if he says good stuff, and I'm open-minded, I'll give him a chance. Here's why I'm not happy with the nomination, and there's two main reasons. One was part of his comments on Monday night, where he said, and I quote, the Supreme Court is the crown jewel of the Constitutional Republic. So first of all, it's actually nice and refreshing to hear it. Let's give the guy a compliment. It's actually refreshing to hear a justice who's going for the Supreme Court actually know America's a constitutional republic. So kudos to you for that. However, the Supreme Court is not the crown jewel of a constitutional republic. Mr. Kavanaugh, with the greatest respect, it's Article 3. If it was the crown jewel, it might be Article 1. Maybe Article 2. It's the least important. This idea that the Supreme Court is the crown jewel or anything way important is incredibly frustrating. Your founders wanted three branches of government, three co-equal branches of government, where they all had their own set roles, duties, and responsibilities. This idea that all of a sudden... One branch thinks it can claim superiority over the other. Even though your founders were clear, three co-equal branches of government. However, let's say you want to play that game where you're like, you know what? There is one branch that's more important than the other. Let's be honest. Okay. I would still say there's three co-equal branches. But if you if you want me to sit down and go, which branch technically has the most important role? It would be Congress. Article 1 power. Because if you read the Constitution, I know that's a novel idea in 2018. If you actually read the Constitution, Congress has powers. It has 18 clauses under Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution. 18 clauses of power it can do. Everything else is for the states. Article 2 power has very little. Commander-in-Chief of the Army. There are different other things he can do as well. But the presidency has no power. And Article 3 is the judiciary. You look at the length of the paragraphs of Article 1, Article 2, Article 3. Which has the most wording? Which has the most power? Article 1. But you are three co-equal branches of government. While there is more power in Congress, you need all three. There is no crown jewel. You have three co-equal branches of government. You have one body, one branch of government, Congress, i.e. the House and the Senate, which makes laws. You have a presidency, i.e. the executive, which signs laws and enforces laws. And you have the Supreme Court, who rules on cases. So for the love of peace, 
Can we understand? If you look, if you disagree with what I just said and you don't like it that way, okay, cool. Just understand this: you're going against America's founders, and you you're not been a constitutionalist. Now you can amend the constitution. There is an amendment process in it. Go for it. Change the constitution, regardless of what side you're on, left, right, top, bottom, or in the middle. At least have the intellectual honesty to go, you know what, I don't like that, I want to change it. I'm intellectually honest because I actually think 18 clauses under Article 1 is too many. I wouldn't. I would have no problem supporting a constitutional amendment to, you know, remove things like the post office. I believe in federalism. I want more power to the states and to the local governments, not Congress, not to a presidency. I don't like centralized government as a general rule. There has a role, there's a function... But I don't like it. Second part. So a couple of years ago, this is going to be a big talking point. Um, He wrote a paper. And it was in the Minnesota Law Review in 2009. Wow, nine years ago. And I quote, It is vital for the president to be able to focus on his never-ending tasks with as few distractions as possible and suggested Congress enacted a law deferring all civil and criminal suits against the president while in office. Uh, Congress might consider a law exempting a president while in office from criminal prosecution investigation, including from questioning by criminal prosecutors or defense counsel. The indictment and trial of a sitting president, moreover, would cripple the federal government, rendering it unable to function with credibility in either the international or domestic arena, end quote. Let's have this conversation, because people are going to make this about, you know, Kavanaugh, his opinion, and people are going to make this about Donald Trump, and there's going to be a load of attacks going, well, that's why he nominated him, because you know Donald Trump's guilty on Russia, the only reason he got Kavanaugh in there is because he thinks he shouldn't be indicted or shouldn't be done while he's been president, and that's the only... Can we stop? Really, please? But can we have an honest conversation about principles? Is this a good idea? Look, let's, let's, let's deal with this bit by bit. Should a sitting president be indicted? This all boils down to what you want that you what you view the system of justice to be. I'm sure you've all seen at different times the statue of justice. She's blindfolded. Do we believe in that or not? Honest question. I'm not saying I'm not going to say which is right or wrong. I'm just asking you as a general question. Do we believe justice is blind? Should justice be blind? No, I know with humans and human emotions and human feelings, it's really hard. I get that. But as a general principle, should it? Should justice be blind? If there's a case, if someone makes an accusation and it's against one other person, should it be investigated? Should that person be questioned? If there's enough evidence, should that person be brought to trial and have a trial by a a court of his peers, a jury? I'm keeping this very simple. I know there are other ways of doing things. But should that happen? Or should Lady Justice not be blind, but rather see people for who they are and make a decision and understand that the answer could be different depending on what Lady Justice sees? How about we have that as a conversation? Now let's get to the president. I'm willing to do something that very few people actually do today. 
I'm willing to give Kavanaugh the benefit of the doubt. I'm willing to say, maybe he foresaw something, because I don't know him personally, the way politics was going in America, that it was going to become so hyper-partisan, that, you know, distracting, that people would just bring false allegations, where people would, you know, be so dogmatic in their agenda and their propaganda, that maybe, you know, it that what's going on right now is a distraction. Maybe he, Maybe that is his case, I don't know. But should a president be exempt from breaking the law? Like, just think about that for a second. Especially under the presidency that you live in in 2018. The president under the founder's vision had very little power. was a figurehead. The presidency today has a lot of power. Are you willing to say... And by the way, in case you think I'm going anti-Trump or, you know, here's John criticizing ever Trump. Uh, He said something good in the first segment. He has to say something bad. He has to even it out. No. Forget Donald Trump. Let's not worry about Donald Trump at all. Let's worry about when Donald Trump is out of office in 2020 or 2024. Heck, let's have this conversation because the answer should be the same in 2050. Whenever that is. Ever who's president. Should that president, whether it's Democrat or Republican or Libertarian or whatever other party, if the weak party decides to come back, should they, male or female, gay or straight, Christian, Jew or atheist, should they be above the law? Because what's frustrating, what really frustrates me, especially from a person who's talking about the law as a justice, is he says, the indictment of a trial of a sitting president would cripple the federal government, rendering it unable to function with credibility in either international or domestic arenas. So who's the onus on? Who's the onus on? The onus is on, then let hey, let's not have a president breaking the law. But we're lowering the bar to a point where it's like, well, no, you just can't, you can't prosecute them because of the impact it would have. What impact is it going to have if you have a president that you actively say, this is a conversation in public right now, you can't be prosecuted? Again, this is not Donald Trump. This is a future president, a blank president down the road. If you get a really bad president, let's, let's, be honest, let's call it some, let's actually use some names, shall we? You get another FDR. And you're like, a precedent has been set because precedent and case law is so important in America right now. Sadly, you get the precedent that Congress passes this law where a president is exempt from criminal prosecution or investigation. And you get an evil SOB like Woodrow Wilson, like FDR in there. Heck, like even like Richard Nixon. And you know you can do anything. What is the presidency going to become? Have we thought about this? Have we? Who's discussing this? This is really troubling from someone who wants to be on the Supreme Court. And it is not the view of your founders. Your founders are very clear. All men are created equal. It goes back to the Declaration of Independence. All men are created equal. You are equal by your creator. And you all have certain rights. And everyone has these rights. But the fact that you are having a situation where you have a potential justice on the Supreme Court saying Congress should consider a law exempting a president, let me be blunt. In effect, what he is saying is you should have a king. A king who rules by decree, who is above reproach. 
That is what you fought a revolution against. Read the Declaration of Independence and the 27 new protections they had against that king. No one should be above the law. Now, is there a possibility that you have a situation again? Maybe he was forward-thinking and he was so ahead of his time that he saw a situation like happened in 2018 where you have these wild witch hunts. Yes, I get that. Is it frustrating? Absolutely. But is the answer to stop witch hunts just saying you can't approach a president is above the law? Surely the system should be, like, we need to find a way to deal with these cases quicker. And if there's evidence, we'll look into it and look into it quickly as possible and make a decision. And either get them to get the trial if there's a trial or dismiss them. I know in 2018 that's hard to see. But making people above the law is really troubling. And as someone who wants to go into the highest court of the land, the Supreme Court, having even taught this, I would dare say it goes against the founders' wishes, it goes against the the tenets of the Declaration of Independence, and it goes against the Constitution, and it goes against pretty much every legal aspect that's out there. Because Lady Justice should be blind. And by the way, I know I disagree, I know I, of all the opinions I hold, I'm probably in the vast minority of minorities in this. Because I even disagree with people like Mike Lee. Mike Lee has said this for the longest time. You know, presidents should be exempt. You don't, you don't, we don't put our political opponents in jail. It sends a bad message to the world. I'm sick and tired of hearing that as an excuse. Do you know what also sends a bad message to the world? Where America, to people like me, America, land of liberty, home of the brave, Lady Justice blindfolded, where all men are created equal. Is it perfect? No. But you know what sends a bad message to the people like me around the world looking at America? Looking for America to be that exceptional beacon of light once again? What sends a bad message is your legal system turning a blind eye to corruption. What sends a bad message to the rest of the world is a legal system saying someone is above reproach. What sends a bad message to the rest of the world is corruption. Where politicians can do no wrong. Where effectively, if you win an election, hey, it's easy street. There is two classes in America. There'll be the political class because they're elected and above the law. And there's the other people who, you know, the poor slums who don't want to be in politics, who just actually want to work and have a life. And lastly, I'll ask you to think about this. Let's paint a picture far, far away. And again, don't make this about Donald Trump. This is not about Donald Trump. This is about principles. And let's say Congress passed a law exempting the president while in office. Let me ask you an honest question for to think about during the break. How long do you think it would be until Congress passed a law exempting themselves? And where does that road stop? So you, you've, you exempt the president, and sure, then eventually it would probably take all of 30 seconds to exempt themselves, like they do from things like Obamacare. Where does that stop? Do you exempt former politicians? Do you exempt staffers? Do you exempt judges? Do you exempt ambassadors, those who served? 
Where do you draw the line of that? Where do you draw the line of making people exempt when they serve? Do you exempt all of the FBI? Exempt all of the CIA? Do you exempt everyone who's ever worked in a government agency like CUD or the IRS or the Department of Energy or the Department of Education or all the other alphabet soup? Where do you stop? Where does that precedent stop if you start with a president? Something to think about. These are the conversations we need to have, but sadly so many people don't even want to have them. Don't go anywhere, America. We'll be right back. You're listening to Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. On demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. As always, this show is released every Saturday at 12 noon Eastern. We're on all major platforms, including SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play Music, Stitcher FM, Omni FM, and Castbox. Um, thank you so much for sharing it. We're continuing to grow week on week. We're reaching new people. So thank you so much for all your support over the years. And I look forward to earning your support as we go forward as we discuss issues. So, what else do we want to discuss today? So, we discussed Donald Trump and going over to Europe. We discussed NATO. We discussed his pick on Kavanaugh. What else can we discuss? What else can I get feisty about this week? Well, that was only the appetizer. Now it's time for the main event. There are certain things that annoy me a lot. There are certain things, you know, you can do that will guarantee to piss me off to excuse my French bullying you bully someone I'm not going to be happy you just disrespect the military me and you are going to have words one of the other things that happens so regularly in our in our punditry these days is we have people who think number one they're better than everyone else number two who think they have some right to go on their favorite platform and tell you what not to do. To tell you to sit down and shut up and don't be part of it. Don't focus on that. It's not important. You can do whatever you want. Whatever issues are important to you, I'm here to tell you, you follow them. Even if only two other people think it's important to you, and you there's three of you, go do it. Invest your time in what you think is important. I don't know. How about this term? Uh, You know, I I just came up with this on the fly. How about you pursue your happiness? And anyone who says to sit down and shut up, tell them to go away. This week, one of the few people who I actively dislike, and I have a... I just actively dislike this person, and everyone knows who it is if you're a long-term listener. I generally have no emotions on a lot of people. You're in a category of, like, there's some people I like. I consider them, you know, friends. Like, Glenn's a personal friend. I like Glenn. Don't agree with him about everything, but I like him. There are a few people I dislike. Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer. Everyone else is kind of, a lot of other people are like, eh, don't dislike you, don't root you, and if against you, don't know you. 
There is one person I dislike because I met her briefly once. And I have heard a lot of things about her from people I know behind the scenes. And they have no reason to lie. And it's been corroborated by many different independent people. That person is Tommy Lahren. I cannot stand Tommy Lahren. I cannot stand her for several reasons. One... I have no time for people who think they're oh so smart when they're really as dumb as a box of rocks. And when I say they're dumb as a box of rocks, they're by their own definition as dumb as a box of rocks. Who f- She famously said in an interview one time, she doesn't read books. She watches TV. Wonderful. Because that's what makes people smart. This week... She went on Fox News with her final thoughts and said, we win by staying out of social issues. What I find ironic and what I find incredibly sad is this is a political pundit who used to be pro-life, who not only was pro-life, but actually got money to appear in a Roe versus Wade film. She did a cameo. This week... She's like, you know, we win by staying out of social issues. First of all, you're wrong. Donald Trump. That's all I need to say. Second of all, where do you draw the... Let's, I'm, I'm not going to get mad about this. I'm going to ask you honest questions. Where do you draw the line? Because this, if, if you honestly want to believe in Tommy and you want to believe in that you win by staying out of social issues... And all you want to do is win. Where do you draw the line? Honest question. Because if all you want to do and all you want is quote unquote the best bill, then here's a suggestion. Go endorse David Duke's tax policy. Because it is one of the best tax policies I've seen. I haven't read too much of it, but people keep telling me it's wonderful. Of all the tax policies out there, Donald Trump's, Congress's, Ted Cruz's, David Duke, if it's not the top, it's one of the top Why won't people endorse that? Now, I can't speak for anyone else. I'm not interested because it's David frickin' Duke. But where do we draw the line? But personally, how can we get so passionate about taxes, about guns, about our rights, When we're sitting here talking about just ignoring someone else's. What's equally, what makes this even more frustrating. Is our friends on the left. Are actually been honest. Because for years, people like me. And people, if you ever, if you worked in our industry. Were told, don't talk about life. Don't talk about it. I've spoken a lot about life over the last year because I've made a change. I'm, I don't care what people think. I would much rather stand for life each and every day and lose than stand for something like tax policy and ignore it and win. I want you to think of someone, anyone who comes to your mind straight away, a personal friend of yours, someone who inspires you, Heck, if the first person that comes to your mind is me because you're listening to me, I'm sorry. I'm in your headspace. I'm in your head. And I'm not leaving. (laughs) But think of someone. Ever who you want. And if ideally, if you can, think of a kid. Someone under 18. 
And just look at that kid and visualize that person, or even if it's an old person, go, you were a choice. People wanted to, could have killed you if they wanted to. Imagine looking at someone saying, thinking of the world without the minute. I'm not going down the hole, it's a wonderful life, but think about that. That is what they're arguing for. Over the years, the propaganda from our friends on the left was always built to build consensus, just to get you not to hate them. You know, they had the old terms of safe, legal, and rare. Our friends on the left are not doing that anymore. You, when was the last time you heard someone going, hey, we need abortions, we need them safe, legal, and rare? So while one side is actually kudos to them, because you're admitting you want to kill people, if we're being honest, the other side, like Tommy is saying, stay out of social issues, sit down and shut up. Don't talk about it. Don't do it. We don't win. Last week, Michelle Wolf. Honestly, you know, I, I was joking with a friend of mine this week. I was like, you know, if you ever, I probably shouldn't say this on the air, but, you know, you know, if you ever capture me and want me to tell the secrets about the world and about Glenn and all this stuff and the secrets that I know about our industry, you don't need to waterboard me. You don't need to pull my fingernails. You don't need to beat me up. You don't need to electrocute me. You don't need to do any of that. Just put a video of Michelle Wolf on talking and just keep it on continuous loop because, man, I'll... I don't think I could listen to more than two minutes of her without... Yeah, I'll, I'll talk. I'll talk. Man, I'll talk. <laughs> what do you want to know? Who do you want to know? Um, her voice is... That's why I'm going to actually say what she said and not the video. Because I, I kind of... I don't think I'm alone in that. So here's the thing she had last week. She did about abortion. So abortion is not killing a baby. It's just stopping it from happening. Because abortion is like a DeLorean and everyone loves them. This is on her Netflix special, by the way. Great job, Netflix. Now, do you know what stops a baby from happening? Saying no. And I know there's some kids listening to this, so I'm not going to get into more detail. If you're a per- you know what I mean. By saying no, just say no. Remember like the old campaigns? Say no to drugs. Just say no. Prop baby doesn't happen. Just say no. Just say no. She then continued this phony argument that our friends on the left love to argue. You know, all these pro-life people. You know, you're not really pro-life. You're just pro-birth. Because if you were pro-life, you'd be fighting for healthcare, childcare, education, gun control, and for the environment. I love people who use this argument. Whereas, you know, if if you want to be pro-life, you'll agree with what my definition of pro-life is. You see this in so many places on the left and the right today. If you if you want to call yourself this label, you've got to agree with everything I say that label means. No, it's it's possible to have different. But let's break it down, shall we? Because I'm actually very pro-healthcare. I actually am very pro-healthcare. You know why I am pro-healthcare? It's because I believe in a privatized system. Why do I think privatized system is better? Because I live under socialized medicine. I see rationing. I see it happening. I see socialized medicine at its quote-unquote best, and it's really bad. I could tell you stories. Not good. Do I believe in childcare? Yeah, I believe in childcare. If you have kids, go for childcare. I don't really care where you put your child. You know, I'm very, dare I say, laissez-faire about all these things. 
If you want to have kids and you want to have childcare, go get childcare. If you want to put them in an expensive childcare crash, go for it. You want to put them in a poor childcare crash, go for it. You want to homeschool them, go for it. You want to give them to your parents, go for it. You want to get hire a nanny that comes into your house and does it, go for it. I don't really care what you do with your child. Sorry, I do care what you do with your child. Like if you're breaking the law, beating it up and stuff, obviously I care. But with regards to your care and what you do, if you want to stay at home, be a stay-at-home mommy, be a stay-at-home dad, I don't care. Go for it. It's called freedom. Just try it sometime. Pro-education. I am very pro-education. I am very pro-education. I am pro-education, but you see, the thing is, they would say schooling and, you know, you need budgets. No, I am very pro-education. You have a thing called the internet. Go read it. There's this great thing called Amazon where, you know, this thing where you can get books for free and you can read them. And you don't have to read books about the founders. You can actually read what the founders wrote themselves. It's great. I got a book, which I'll, a set of books, which I'll never ever read in my lifetime because I just don't have enough time in full. But I got 10 books for the combination cost of $0.00 and 0 cents. It was all of Edmund Burke's writings. I never have time to go through them all, but I'll go through some of them and I'll flick through them. You can get them for free. So I'm very pro education. I am very pro gun control. <gasps> John's pro gun control. Yeah, I am very, you know, I, I believe in a steady hand, I believe in safety. I believe in understanding, you know, you have a safety on a gun for a reason, you know, need to know, need to know how to use it. I believe also in, in learning how to shoot a gun. You know, if you're going to go buy a gun, learn how to freaking use it. So that hopefully you never have to, but in the 0.0001% of the society that you might need to use it, you know how to use it and use it accurately. And believe in the environment. Do I need to just go after the environment after what I told you all last week? These people... What these people want is, it's not that you have to be pro-healthcare, or pro-childcare, education, gun control. You have to be pro-what I think. And you have to be pro-me taking money from the taxpayer and spending it on it. You have to be pro-big government. This idea of you have to agree with me is so intellectually lazy. Then the whole line she continued to, because we're not even near done. If you're anti-abortion, you're anti-woman. Using logic and using uh, statistics, 50% of, approximately, of abortions are on women. So, uh, I want them to live, so how am I anti-woman? Just explain that one to me for a minute. Then she went on and said a stat, one in four women by the age of 45 have had an abortion. That's sad. That is sad. Abortion has become popular. It's become mainstream. Because as she said, and I, I, this is one of her best lines, and I'm sorry, I can't play it for you. She wants abortion on demand. She wants to like ordering a movie. She wants it to be on the dollar menu. This is who the left are showing themselves to be. The days of say, safe, legal, and rare are gone. They want it on demand like they have it on demand on a TV remote. For everyone. So while the left are actually starting to be honest about what they want about abortions, you have people like Tommy saying, yeah, just sit down, we can't win on this issue. Now let me deal with statistics and, and something I actually hate with polling. The vast majority of Americans say abortion is wrong after 20 weeks. There is an issue. If you, if you want to win and all you care about is winning, that gets broad consensus. Now I don't know what happens at this 20-week timeline. You know, if you're 19 weeks, 6 days, 23 hours, 59 minutes and 59 seconds, <laughs> you're okay, boom, get rid of it. But the minute that clock ticks over that second to 20 weeks, no, we can't do that, that's wrong. 
I don't get the arbitrary point in time, but let's just play with it. How about we have honest conversations? But then the sad thing, which she really reveals, and this is the problem we have in our society, and this is where I want to talk to you for a couple of minutes. She then made her argument about how women control life, and if men ever realize this, that, you know, well, her, her quote was, all we can do is they control life, and women are so powerful, and all we can do is, like, you know, put those heavy bags into the, the stowaway above our seat in the airplane. First of all, women don't control life. You know, women have the egg, and men have the sperm. But whether you believe in God, or whether you believe in Mother Nature, or whether you believe in the environment, there is a creator. There is a higher power. That's who controls it. But what was sad was, we have to play each other against everyone. You know, one of the reasons your founders are so incredible is because they're so ahead of their time. And even in 2018, if your founders were here today, they'd still be ahead of their time. Because one thing this world has never, ever got is four simple words. All men are created equal. We all have this situation where we are jockeying for power. Michelle Wolf was, women control life and women are automatically better. And women, 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 women. And women must have power and women need to to do this because women are more important in society. And you have people who are like, no, men are, men are the alpha male, men are, no. It's all baloney. We are all created equal. We all have certain rights, certain responsibilities, certain talents. I might be better at talking than you. You might be better at researching than me. You might be better at hitting golf balls than me. You might be better at shooting a gun than me. I don't know what the, your talent is. But just because you have certain talents doesn't mean you're more important than I am. This idea, what you're seeing right now in society, and you're seeing it in the UK with all these gay prides where a lesbian last week, in case you didn't notice... Dared have the suggest, dared have the audacity to say, you know what? It doesn't matter whatever a man does to himself. You know, with the whole transgender man ne- can never be a lesbian. And there's all this issue, and the left are starting to eat their own in that issue. Everyone just wants power, and they're using propaganda to get it. How about we actually have a conversation about whether we're all created equal? How about we have conversations about? Let's not have one person telling another person what to do. I know I sound like a broken record. Maybe I do and some of you, and I apologize if I do. But to me, in my head, I sound like a broken record because I'm like, the answer's simple. You need to understand your founding. You need to understand your principles. That idea of all men are created equal, that no one is more important than others. You have rights, whether you're gay, straight, transgendered, black, Christian, Jew, atheist, you have these rights, they come from your creator. Even if we disagree over who your creator is, if I think it's God and you think it's a stone and you think it's mother nature, okay, that's cool, but they come from somewhere. I don't want more men, powerful men in this world who think they're better than women. I don't want women powerful, controlling the world. Here's this idea. I want people to control their own destiny. There I say this phrase I came up with earlier in the show, because I've never heard this before. You have a right to pursue your happiness. Let people be who they want to be. 
If you care about the pro-life issue, now's the time to get involved in it. Is the left are starting to say who they are? Because as Michelle Wolf so eloquently put it why she fights for abortion, and I quote, I have money. I will always be able to get an abortion. It should not be a luxury. Wonderful. That's why she fights for abortion, because it shouldn't be a luxury. They're revealing who they are. Even no matter how much evidence is out there of what an abortion actually does, they're just getting more and more radical. How are you going to act? When abortion comes like it is in Iceland to eradicate Down syndrome, when it gets to the point where abortion will be if you have a you know an unhealthy baby because it's overweight in the womb, you have to abort it. At what point do you get involved? What point do you get involved? What point do you fight for it? At what point do you stand up and go, now I'm going to get involved? Because the left are revealing who, them, who they really are. And if I may quote Reagan, if not now, when? What do they have to do for you to get involved? How do we get to a point where life is a self-evident truth? Where everyone has a right to life? Where life, every life has a potential. Every life has the potential to change the world in a positive or a negative way, but it has potential. How many, how long will it take till we get to a point where life says you have a talent inside, you have some deep meaning inside of you, that you have a purpose, and that it is our duty to help you live that purpose? How many people are we aborting in the womb who could have changed the world? The next great orator, the next great scientist, the next great doctor. But because we all looked at it as a choice and we all wanted to be silent, that potential never happens, that meaning never happens, that purpose never existed. If you don't care about life and you care about other issues, okay, I'm not your enemy. But get involved. And any time a pundit, especially a pundit like Tommy Lahren, who's a hack, yes, that's right, I said it, tells you just, we can't win, don't listen to them. It's about doing what is right. That is the history of America. Because as I'd love to remind Tommy if I ever met her, your founders, who you claim to love, when they signed that Declaration of Independence, that was not the winning argument. That was not the winning document. That was their death warrant. We need to start teaching history again. America was never about winning. America was about doing the right thing. And even if that right thing is different to what I say it is, okay, I'm okay with that. Go do it. And even if I disagree with you, I'll meet you on the battleground of ideas. But we need to stop listening to people who tell us to, you know, we can't win. Because, as I said, started this segment off by saying, if all you care about winning is where do you draw the line? Or would you endorse David Duke's tax policy? What draws your line? It'll be different for every other person. It'll be different for many people. When we come back... Today's been a bit of a heavy show. We're going to have some fun because there was a lot of funny stuff that happened this week. Don't go anywhere, America. We'll be right back. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network.
miss the morning blaze with Doc. We had a guy on yesterday talking about this stuff oh, yeah. in the book. And guess what? Yeah, these things happen. People groom kids online. Sexual uh, um, human trafficking it's is an issue. issue. Those are serious. Your kid is more likely to be injured in an automobile accident today than ever have anything sexual happen to them online in the social media that you are monitoring. The Morning Blaze, weekday morning, 6 to 9 Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network. Freedom's Disciple, on demand, on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. To finish up today's show, we're just going to... There's just a lot of news this week that we just need to address real quickly and just have a bit of fun, right? Because life's too short, it's summer. There's the good, the bad, the ugly, the strange, the downright stupid. Let's get them all in in different orders. Let's start with the downright stupid, shall we? You know, I'm conflicted. I'm a Christian, so I try and be the best person I can be. But there's a smidgen of me, the bad side of me, the bad John that really wants Hillary Clinton to run in 2020. You know, three times a charm, all that stuff. But she's given this um, interview where she compared herself to Churchill. Now, there are many things I found hilariously funny about that. One was... Churchill? Really? You know, you can compare yourself to anyone, but a guy who held the Ford against... Nazi Germany is is a pretty top guy. You know, maybe lower the bar a small bit. You know, this is you are the person who has only won one election in New York, in the liberal bastion of New York. And yes, I love New York, I get the irony of that. But you, you couldn't beat Barack Obama, a relatively newbie senator in 2008. You couldn't beat Donald Trump in 2016. There's a small part of me that runs her to run in 2020 because I actually think she'd be absolutely crushed by the Democrats. You know, the Democrats are going way extreme and I think they would just crush her. And again, it's unchristian and it's troubling for America because if they actually did. But there is a part of me that would love to see her just get crushed. But she's no Churchill. The other part of me that found that very funny was so you have Hillary Clinton. Me too, hashtag. War on women, hashtag. Women can do anything you want. And you compare yourself to a guy. Hmm. Very interesting, that, isn't it? Not something you might expect from a... Oh, I don't know. A me too person. But hey, you know, that liberals never made sense, so why start now? The angry story this week comes from... What happened to Sarah Palin this week? I don't want to dwell too much onto this, but... Man, if you're pretending to be a disabled vet, I don't care who you are. I don't care what your name is. If you're pretending to be a vet, you're a piece of crap. If you're pretending to be a disabled vet, you're a piece of scum. Just to get an interview. Is that how desperate you are? Um, That is... The lowest of the low. And it is sad how so many people have lost their ever-loving minds and not understanding of... Even if you don't like certain wars, but understanding of 
the family's pain and suffering and even been in a wheelchair. That's just mocking. It's wrong to lie to Sarah Palin. If you want an interview, get it on your own credentials. You need to stretch it, you know, to hide certain things because you don't want them knowing who you are. Okay, I don't, not defending it, but people do that. But pretending to be a disabled vet, just classless. Classless. Speaking of classless, did you see uh, some people have just lost their mind and they think it's really cool. George Lopez, ever who the hell he is, decided it'd be really cool to go out in Hollywood and urinate on Donald Trump's Hollywood star of fame. Can you imagine if that guy has kids? Hey, there's my dad peeing in the street. How proud you must be. Uh, On to a cool story. Um, I think this is awesome. I'm a tech guy. I know nothing about it, but I love it. And I love the possibilities. And as a person who is both a big fan of Star Trek and Star Wars, this story just appeals to me. And I don't know if you've seen it, but two Israeli companies have want to make their home only the fourth ever nation to reach the moon. Of course, the other three nations are United States. We planted that flag. Y'all planted that flag. Russia and China. But Israeli, Israel wants to do it. You know what I love about Israel? Forget the politics and the region and all the, the, the other issues. They're such a small state. They're hated by everyone. And yet they keep striving for um, for the best, for better. Keep striving to be better. Keep, you know, there is no, well, we're only Israel. We're only a small people. We have all these issues. We can't do that. No, you can do it. They're an inspiration. They're an inspiration for everyone because if you want to do it, you can do it. Look at Israel. There is nothing holding you back. You don't face the obstacles Israel faces on a daily basis, and yet they still see go for the moon. We all need to start shooting for the moon more. Did you all hear the story about Mexico? Um, I actually read the story early in the week, and I broke my heart laughing. And then there was one line that scared the hell out of me. Mexico, the new president, has said, you know what we need to do to solve the cartel problems? We need to give them all a hug. We need to give them a hug. A hug. Yeah, I don't see that working out too well. And I read this article, I, honestly, it was breaking my heart laughing. I'm like, yeah, we, we, need to, we need to hug our cartel friends. You know, they're all good people. We all just solve our problems if we hug each other then the part that really frightened me because Mexico, I don't know if you've read this because I haven't seen it in many places I think Mexico's had 60 political assassinations in the last 12 months 60 six zero, as in one more than 59 and one less than 61 this president has said he's going to refuse his security detail presidential security detail that's not going to end well and having that much turmoil on just south of America is going to cause problems. I want to finish up with one last story for you all to... And you're going to really thank me for this. Because all I'll say is, it's glad you should be glad I'm doing this as an audio and not a video. So, you know people want to be famous, right? People want to be famous. They want to be... They want to be recognized. They want to be able to walk down the street and go, Hey, that, that's, that's, that's so much. Yeah, I love him or her. You know that, that need for fame? Well, there's a guy who is famous for something. He did something for, or sorry, in this case, didn't do something for 66 years, has now done it, and he was afraid his fame was going to go away. 
He's a, a Guinness World Record holder. He had the longest fingernails on one hand. He lived in India and he hadn't cut his fingernails on his left hand since 1952. 1952. Wow. But fear not, because he said, this is a quote, and this is how cute our society has become. I was a little bit scared that my celebrity would go now. But today after coming here, I realized that after this, I have become a real celebrity. Now forever my nails will be remembered and forever my nails will be seen by the people from all over the world. Because what he's done is he's actually cut them and put them in a museum. In case you're wondering about the stats on these and, you know, if you follow baseball you'll get this reference. In case you're wondering what the stat cast feature of his nails were. um, The collective growth of his nails, 29 feet 10 inches. You know, can we get a stat cast on that, you know? <laughs> Unbelievable. It's... Uh, some people are just incredible, and all they want is fame. Um, it's an incredible world we live in. I wanted to finish up with some lighter stories, because this show was heavy, because we discussed NATO, we discussed um, abortion, we discussed Kavanaugh. But I want to finish off today by actually saluting some real heroes. There's a story that gripped the world and it gripped everywhere, whether you're in Ireland, whether you're in England, whether you're in America, whether you're in Australia. And as you know, we finish up the show the same way we do every week. We salute the real heroes in society. I normally salute your police, your firefighters, your emergency personnel and your vets, and we do that. But this week I want to salute some other real heroes. And they got rescued this week. A story that just changed the world. I don't know how people I don't know how people had so much hope. You know, if you were stuck in a place for ten days you know, it would be tough. Like just forget the forget the surroundings, but about the same people for ten days. I think I might want to go scream. I might want to go crazy. Forgetting the situation of being stuck in a cave and thinking I might die. But hey, you know, if there is one advantage been stuck in a cave, it's I'm fat, so I have a lot of I have a lot more food than a skinny person is to reserves to lead off, you know? That's why I'm fat, wink wink. Um But the so many heroes, and sadly we lost one of them who went to rescue the people. But there was a doctor involved, he gave them ketamine. All the people. All those men and women who were making it, trying to find the right situation, to try and find the right plan to get these kids out. It was a great way to see life is important. Life is critical. And we wanted to see this be successful. Didn't matter about our politics. It didn't matter who they liked or who they disliked. Didn't matter their race or their sexuality or their religion. None of that mattered. It's so nice when the world can actually just forget about all the bullcrap and just focus on what's important. Saving little boys' lives. This week we salute the heroes, everyone that we know and everyone that we don't know who made that rescue possible. And I think it's important to rest salute the leader that was with those kids because how do you keep calm? How do you keep kids hopeful? How do you keep kids from not losing their mind from being away from their parents? 
the guy's obviously a very calm, calm individual. And we salute them. We salute them and we also hope that one day we can actually live in a world where we actually get to that point on a regular basis where we just forget the bullcrap and we just focus on principles. All the stuff that doesn't matter. Until next week at Saturday at 12 noon Eastern America, I hope you have a blessed and beautiful week. And never ever forget one critical thing. America is great because Americans are good. America is great because Americans are good. That's each and every one of you. Have a beautiful and blessed week. And God bless America. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand. The Blaze Radio Network. Thank you.